Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. And we do have some players in the facility. The rookies, first-year veterans, have reported to the NovaCare Complex. They're able now to have remote learning. Nothing on the field yet. We're still in the very early stages of what is a complicated situation. The NFL and the NFLPA continuing to work toward a resolution for the preseason, for training camp protocols, for regular season goings on. So there's still work to be done, but everybody optimistic that very soon the entire Eagles team and teams around the NFL will be in their facilities getting ready to be back on the field. Now, as far as 11-on-11 practices and full pad practices, much remains up in the air. So stay tuned right here to the Eagles Insider Podcast for more information as we go along and get ready for Eagles football 2020. I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to talk about Eagles wine. Yeah, wine that you can have during game days this year and kind of feel like you're at the stadium. It's the Broad and Patterson Collection. More on that later. And also a bit later on, a shout out to Eagles fans from Forbes magazine. We'll get to that in a bit. As well as a stats corner with my man Jacob talking about Miles Sanders and the extraordinary rookie season he had. We're all expecting huge things from Miles in year number two. But let's begin this podcast with a one-on-one conversation. Ike Reese, a fifth-round draft pick in 1998, certainly understands how important it is to get as many reps as possible to impress the coaching staff. That's not going to happen in this training camp period. So how do young players make the team? What's it been like for Ike these last five months with no sports? He's a sports talk show radio host, for gosh sakes. How did he get along these last five months? A great conversation right now with Ike Reese. Ike Reese, it it would appear (laughs) that football season is near, and I know that nobody is is happier about that than you are. Um, (laughs) Right? First of all, what have the last five months been like for you? Well, I'll tell you, we've gotten creative over at uh, WIP with uh, sort of rehashing some old debates and unsettled arguments with some of our more prominent sports figures uh, in the past. And uh, we've sort of been able to pass the time, at least somewhat, being able to do that. The one thing about this fan base is that um, they don't just live in the moment or worry about the future. There are things that happen in the history of this city uh, from a sports standpoint that we just haven't gotten over yet. And so uh, we found creative ways to sort of be able to discuss those things and, and have some fun debates and make it feel like somewhat normal uh, in this crazy uh, time that we're living in now trying to deal with this pandemic. So, uh, But it looks like, Dave, I, I tell you, man, if you had to ask me four and a half months ago, uh, would we be able to pull this off? Uh, I, I did not believe that you could do sports talk radio without any sports to really talk about. And so I, I was a little skeptical myself, but I must I must say uh, I've been pleasantly surprised the way 
we've all sort of come together. And, and what it really shows you is they is that it's not just important for us and the job that we do in covering these teams and talking about them. We need people to care about it and finding finding uh, a listening audience that still has enough passion about sports, even though nothing live is going on during one of the w- worst eras of, of our lifetime when dealing with this pandemic. It really is a true testament to how much sports means to the Philadelphia fan base. You know, I, I, before we get into the football side of things, it, it does test your creativity it, as every, for no matter what your business is, right? So what have you learned about yourself as a talk show host, a sports talk show host? You know, you, you kept it relevant. You've made yourself an indispensable part of people's lives. Um, how good have you been during this time? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I hope I've been um, um, doing a well enough job for people that we've been able to, to keep locked into our radio show. Um, still remaining authentic, you know, and and the things that we talk about, whether it's Eagles free agency uh, during that time or the draft coming up, um, I've, I've tried to at least keep the same frame of mind I would have during this time of the year. And for us in this area, we care so much about the Philadelphia Eagles. It made it a little easier not to focus in on what the Sixers or the Flyers or the Phillies were doing because during this time of the year, especially uh, February, March, and April, uh, we're more concerned about what the Eagles are going to do to try to improve the team to put them in a, put them in a position to win a Super Bowl the upcoming season. So from that standpoint, that pretty much remained the same. I think I think the thing I discovered about myself was that um, sometimes you gotta you gotta dig a little deeper and focus a little bit more. And I think it forced myself and my co-host and John Marks, my producer and Jack Prince, to be more creative and be more open-minded to things that aren't necessarily centered around sports. So we did more pop culture stuff. We did more TMZ stuff. We paid more attention to what was going on outside of the sports world and tried to make that interesting enough for people to want to listen. And not only that, to join in on the conversation. And the one thing I I, I also learned is if you if you figure out a way to dive into it and and, and really dive into it and you're not just trying to pass four hours of the day and get through the work day as best you can, you really dive into these topics and you come on the air and you present them uh, to this fan base, they are going to respond to it. So whatever we decided to discuss in those days, I just made sure I fully committed to it. And I got a guy who works on the radio with us from six to 10. He's been doing it for 30 years and he's led the way for all of us. And there's never been a day that Angelo Cataldi mailed it in. And when you listen to Angelo Cataldi on the air talking about anything, you would better believe he wholeheartedly believed what he's saying. So um, we took his cue. I took his cue. And I figured if I roll with that, we'll see where that works. And it has worked for us. And not to brag about what we did during that time from a rating standpoint. But we, we, we put all some numbers 
not just locally, but I mean nationally to where a lot of our sister stations wanted to know how were we able to pull off the rating number that we did without any live sports. So a lot of credit goes to our program director, brand manager, and Spike Eskin sort of giving us the freedom and really helping us along the way to put some of these uh, topics and things together. And uh, it, it's been a complete team effort, man. We all just bought into it. And the one thing about this fan base, if it's passion and it's all, they want to talk about it. So it, 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 it hasn't been as difficult as I anticipated it being. And quite frankly, it's been a collective effort. Everybody that works at the station and, uh, and all of our listeners, they, they, they could have easily turned, toned out or turned to something else or chose to put attention towards something else, but they wanted an escape. And that's what we're there to provide is a uh, ability to get away from what's going on in the real world. And uh, not only with non-sports day, but I'll say even through the social justice movement that has gone on during that time, that allowed us also to focus on things that really matter that aren't sports. And so I think that also we use that time wisely and use, use that moment, and we're still using that moment to really dive into some things that sometimes we as a, as a society don't want to get into because it's so uncomfortable. I think uh, the last two months uh, has, has really forced a lot of us to really look at some other things and really try to figure out ways that we can do better. So it allowed us to have those conversations. And even though they were uncomfortable at times, I must say, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed having them because I think we all got an opportunity to learn each other and, and learn some perspective about things that should matter more to us in the real world. Well, I congratulations on that. I'm not surprised because I've known you for a long time and you've always made the best of every situation. So congratulations to you and to WIP. And hopefully we've got some, some sports coming up here, including the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'd like to start talking about football and I'd like you to take me back um, and just kind of like juxtapose. What if Ike Reese, if you can remember what you were like as a rookie coming into the NFL, what and, and put yourself in the shoes of a, well, I guess a late round draft pick in the NFL right now, knowing kind of the landscape ahead here, preseason games looking like it's not going to happen, limited padded practices. How in the heck are you going to impress the coaching staff? It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Um, I will say this, Dave. I think the bigger, probably the bigger issue for those young guys is the trim down rosters. You know, they're not going to bring as many players in the camp. And so that can work. That can work, you know, both ways for you, for, for a young player. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, there's going to be you know, a handful of guys or so that won't get invited to camp and have that opportunity. But it also says for the guys that are fortunate enough to be invited to camp, there's probably going to be some more opportunities to get reps in practice to show um, whether or not you deserve to earn a final roster spot here. So I, my advice to young guys would be, man, 
Uh, if special teams have never been important to you prior to getting to the NFL, you you had better make them your number one priority. And you had better figure out what Dave Fipp wants out of you as a player. Where does he want you to focus in on to where he can see you contributing? Right? Like that's that's one of the things that I that I, I think was a beneficial to me, was beneficiary to me as a young player. Because I still remember, I still remember my rookie year, like it was yesterday and going to camp. But I was fortunate enough to have not only John Harbaugh, but Ray Rose and Emmett Thomas tell me specifically, you don't need to worry about starting. You don't need to worry about playing linebacker. You need to worry about special teams. That's why we brought you here. That's where you're going to make this roster. You need to make sure. You, you, know, you keep up with everything we're doing defensively from a schematic standpoint. But they have brought Mike Caldwell in pretty much to be the top reserve linebacker at the outside linebacking spot. And myself being drafted in the fifth round, that's where I was going to help the team improve the most. And that was going to give me the best chance of making the roster so my rookie camp, man, I was I was glued to John Harbaugh's hip. It was like I, I was gonna make it to where John Harbaugh and I were like a pair, and, and I I I sought out to do that, and not from a a butt kissing standpoint. Like let me see if I can kiss up to the coach just so I can make the team. No, it was that I wanted him to know that I understand. It's been explained to me what my role will be if I make this team, and I understand that. So now I need to figure out how to play special teams because I hadn't done a lot of it in college. Only thing I'd done in college was play punt team, and so I hadn't done all the other things, and I spent a lot of time with him after practice and before practice just working on the fundamentals of playing some of the special teams positions, the things he wanted me to do on kickoff return, uh, how to be a good punt return, uh, uh, guy, how you hold up, guys? How how do you hold up without getting penalties called? I had to work with John Harbaugh and Mike Caldwell on those things every day, and I didn't resist that. And because I that was explained to me what my role was going to be, I did I did not worry about starting. I, I wasn't focusing on on trying to beat out Willie T uh, <laughs> at the linebacker position. I was trying to make sure of all these young guys that have an opportunity to make up the special teams, I'm going to be one of the guys that he feels like is his core guy. And I embrace that role. A problem with a lot of young guys, we were all stars on our, pers- our respective teams in college. And so you get a perception that playing special teams is for the lesser player. And while in reality, that, that may be right, but it doesn't make it less important. And once young players understand that and they embrace that role versus fighting against that role or looking at it as a demotion, I think you've got a better chance of making a team, as, especially as a late-round draft pick. Like that's, as a late-round draft pick, that's what you got to do. And, and that's, that's what I did as a young player. Okay, so I'm a young player, and... I want to follow what I agree did, but do I do that with speed, with strength, with like what, like, and, and by the way, as you know, special teams is a different ball game now. It's been yes. pretty much minimized now. So, I mean, <laughs> yes. what am I, 
Like, what am I doing? Am I just trying to run down the field as fast as I can? Am I trying to be a spit? Like, remember Jason Short? Jason Short. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jason Short. That was Paul That was his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he made, but he made it in the NFL for a few years. So, what are they doing? How are they doing that with no preseason games? You can't hit anybody in in practice. And for yeah. sure, even in, and you know the thing about it is like in practice, special teams are never live. I, right. I can't imagine them being live this year. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be difficult to impress. It, it really is. I think what you, I think what you have to do when you're trying to prepare to come to training camp now. First of all, make sure you're in great shape because you are practicing. A, a full practice, I don't know how the schedule is going to be set up. I'm just I'm reflecting back to my days with John Harbaugh. Those 45-minute practices, like before we even started regular practice, that, you were in a full sweat. Like You were like, man, we still got more to do. So you had better be in good shape because Dave Fifth, who I have a lot of respect for as a special teams coach, uh, I can imagine that the intensity level will be ramped up a little bit not from a physical standpoint where you're worried about collisions, but from let me see how fast you can get down the field. Let me see how good you are at avoiding blocks. Let me see how good you are at being able to block somebody in open space. Maybe you got to be able to catch up to someone, get your hips squared, and get in position that you don't get a penalty and you can be an effective blocker. Like, so working making sure you're in shape, making sure you got the, the strength. For special teams players, you need to be able to combine all those things. It's not like playing a position on offensive defense where you can focus in on what the position requires you to do. When you play special teams and you're a core member, you're going to block, you're going to tackle, you're going to have to get down the field fast, you're going to have to be strong because you may get a guy that outweighs you by 20 or 30 pounds that you have to block. So you have to be a well-rounded athlete to play special teams in this league. And so, like, that's what you got to come in camp being prepared to do and being in shape from a conditioning standpoint and stamina standpoint is going to give you the best chance because guess what? Every time you get an opportunity to go up there and get another rep in, that's, a, that's every chance that you get to impress a coach. And the more you can do that at your best, being from a conditioning standpoint, from a strength standpoint, the better chance you're going to have to impress the coach. I guess I just think that if I'm a coach, no matter what team, I'm going with what I know more than sure. taking the risk on the young guys. I, I, I think the practice squad will be, it's obviously larger this year. You can develop players there. Anyway, but then, so, so I question, do you have major... By the way, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Dave. That's what I think is, is going to wind up happening. You go with familiarity. That's what you do. As a coach. What, what, yeah, I agree. So, so what kind of themes, what are your themes, your major themes for the Eagles and training camp and how this whole thing's going to work out? And, and, and by the way, does Doug Peterson and the Eagles, do we have an advantage here because the coaching staff is in place rather than the rest of the division, which has a bunch of new head coaches? I believe they do. I think they, they have more of an advantage than it is a disadvantage. The reason why I phrased it that way is um, they do have some new coaches, right? So there, there are some coaches, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that obviously Doug is still, he's at the top there. He 
pretty much the chief offensive mind there, but they brought guys in and uh, Scangarella and, and, and bringing Marty back that I think the idea was you're going to add some new wrinkles to the offense. I don't know how much you can do that now, so you're probably going to stick with, with a lot of what you already have implemented and then ease some of the other stuff in as the season goes along because getting off to a fast start is going to be critical for all these teams around the league. The teams that can get off to the fastest start are going to probably have the best chance to hold on because soon everybody will catch up uh, as the season goes along. And so as, as, as an offense, I'm probably looking at, I, I want to make sure I have the right guys in there that is going to allow me to get off to that fast start. So you're probably going to go back to something you just said earlier, that familiarity. I could see those guys probably having a greater impact early and you're sticking with what you ended the season with and then even new stuff in versus uh, what it would have been if you had a full offseason with everybody. You can come out with a lot of new wrinkles that people haven't had a chance to scout. Are you, are, are you, are you sold on Jason Peters, the right card? Oh, man. I tell you, it'd be hard to bet against him just because of his track record. But, uh, you know, after, after listening to a couple former offensive linemen just talk about the, the differences of playing tackle and guard, let alone going from the left side to the right side, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. And training camp probably, uh, a regular training camp probably would have helped Jason Peters out more than this style of training camp because, from talking or listening to other guys, uh, former offensive linemen talk about that position. It's not as much as the technical part that he, they think he may struggle with, but it's the physicality of playing a guard versus a tackle because you're going to get bigger bodies in on the inside. You're going to get Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald and all those type of guys on the inside versus possibly having to deal with a speed rusher on the outside. So if he can understand the physical part of it at, at this stage of his career and at his age, I think he'll be okay. But that's, that's the big key is can he hold up in there from a physical standpoint against 300-plus-pound guys for 16 weeks? So I, I won't bet against him, but I'm not as confident as everyone else is based on his name, recognition. I think most people get their comfort level because of Jason Peters. When you listen to guys who play on the line, they all talk about the difficult, the difficulty that he's going to probably have to deal with going from the left side and going from tackle to guard. All right, so i got only a couple more questions here, and I thank you very much for your time. You're always the greatest. The great Ike Reese. Ike, how is this thing going to work? And, um, you know, players are not going to be in a bubble like they are in the NBA. They only play once a week. Uh, we, we have not had mass testing of the players who have not, they've not arrived yet at the team facilities. Um, how is this going to work for players? How difficult is it going to be for players to be in that kind of like in that disciplined environment? Yeah, I think the NFL has the most difficult job of trying to get their league, not necessarily just starting, but finishing it. Like, um, the other sports don't, don't have the amount of physical uh, contact that, that NFL players have, not just 
in games, but typically during the practice week, uh, you only play once a week. So I got my fingers crossed, Dave. I think if you had asked me this two months ago, I felt a lot more confident. We have a lot more information now. Um, this thing has spiked, like a lot of experts predicted it would spike, and the numbers are starting to rise again. Uh, the biggest issue, I believe, is the fact that you're talking about 32 different cities with 50 to 60-something-odd players that won't be in a bubble. It's a matter of how do you keep it from spreading throughout a team and, and not overtaking a team. I think the league, if you're talking about one or two uh, in a two- or three-month span or, or a two- or three-week span, but if you start getting up into double-digit numbers, I think we're in trouble. I just think we're in trouble when you talk about per team. Uh, there's no doubt players will test positive, but I just can't trust players to do the right thing when they leave their complexes, when they go home. I can't trust that these young guys are going to do the right things throughout the week and, and do social distancing. There's obviously going to be guys that push the envelope there. It's it's a matter of how do you how do you keep the league going when the positive tests arrive, and then how do you keep those positive tests down? I I, I have my doubts, Dave. I just do. I'm being honest. I have my doubts if we can get this thing started on time and finished uh, with a complete season. But I got my fingers crossed, like everybody else does. All right, last one for you. I think this is a weird one because. During the course of this whole thing, and I don't even remember what month it is. I don't even know what day it is today. But there was the, the, the I think Fox played the 2003 Freddie Mitchell fourth and 26 game, right? And you yep. started that game. And I remember I was listening to the commentary, and they were talking about this guy starting at, you know, outside linebacker. And it's like, Reese, he's light, and he's this, he's tenacious. And I wonder, do you ever watch that stuff? And, like, in retrospect, do you ever watch the games and hear what? the broadcasters yes. say about you, and what was your reaction if you do? Yeah, that was not a good game for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that, 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 that was not a good game for me. That was a great job of uh, uh, the Packers game plan and understanding that we had basically lost our defensive MVP uh, in Carlos Emmons that year, uh, who I was in there filling in for, and they decided to go with their run game, and they got two big bags back there, and he didn't hold up very well. Um, you know what, Dave? I, I, I've learned to deal with it better as I've gotten further and further away from it. The funny thing is, is that it, it actually motivated me uh, the following week, and I had a much different game uh, that following week in the championship game against the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, you, you hear that stuff, and it's not flattering. But, uh here, here, here's, here's how I learned to deal with that, right? I was out there. And so, to me, Hell yeah. Nothing, can, yeah, nothing can take away the fact that I was in that position. And I had to have done a lot of good things to be put in that position uh, in that moment to be trusted to go out there. Now, fortunately for me, uh, the Patriots decided to punt the ball on fourth and one instead of go for it on fourth and one and gave us the ball back late in that game. And we, we were able to force that game into overtime. That's what led to the fourth and 26 play. 
we were sort of midfield. It was fourth and one, and I still to this day believe that they decided to go for it on fourth and one instead of trying to draw us off time. There's no way we would have stopped them on fourth and one. They would have picked up the first down. They would have picked it up. Understood. But like, do you did you watch it when it was on? Like, you cringe or do you go like, man, I wish my technique was different or. Boy, you oh, yeah, every for play? sure. Oh, for oh, sure. Y'all yeah, remember all those plays. Listen, You're a glutton for I, punishment. Listen, I, I, listen, I still have nightmares about Najee Dodgers, Davenport, and Amon Green running up my backside that, that, that weekend. And, <laughs> and uh, who was it? I believe the fullback, William Henderson. Yeah, I still have nightmares about that game, man. Yes, we all do. With permission. Hey, Dave. One the, one, the one thing we as players know the eye in the sky don't lie, and you yeah. can't hide from it. So, listen, if sometimes, sometimes the rabbit gets the gun. In, in that game, <laughs> I, I, listen, they got the best of me that game. I, that, I, that I, can't, I can't run from it. I don't mean about. I don't mean about that. But like, you sit there with a glass of scotch and just like agonize. Even even when you have a great game, like you watch replays of yourself playing when it's on TV. Uh, sure. I listen. I, I, and because I got my son as a teenager, listen. I, I still got to sit him down and watch some of these games, man. Just to let him know I was out there. I've rewatched the Super Bowl when when that comes on TV. Super Bowl Thirty Nine. Rewatched that one. Uh, which was another one they played. Uh, the Carolina Panther game. I mean, as far yeah. as we don't get the, we don't get many wins put on TV. Um, but but when when we do have the Eagles on in, in some of those games. And if there happens to be a game that I played in or made or made a, a couple plays in or what have you, yeah, man, I listen. I, I wear I wear the good game and the bad game with a badge of honor, man. I was fortunate for nine years to play amongst the greatest athletes to play the game, and and so I always wear that with a badge of honor. The good days and the bad days, baby. I, I got to tell you, I've never watched Super Bowl Thirty Nine. I can't watch it. I it hurts too much. I. I remember having a terrible time at the party after the game. I don't know if you had a good time, yeah. but it was it just hurts too much. No, I did not. I did not have a good time, and it took me a while to be able to watch it. Uh, I don't think I watched it until maybe 2015, 2016. Um, but now, now more or less, if, if it's on, I'll sit there and watch it. Listen, we had our shot. It didn't happen. It's okay. It's okay now. Absolutely. Hey, Ike, let's raise a glass and let's hope we'll do a collective cheers for you and me and everybody listening that we have a 2020 season and that the Eagles rock and roll starting right now. No doubt about it, brother. I, I can't man. wait. And, and, and I think the sports gods aren't that cruel to they'll take football away from us. So I think we'll be all right. I'm, I'm, I think we'll be all right, man. All right, Ike, thank you so much. Uh, Great job on WIP. Everybody listens to WIP and Ike Reese and John Marks. And keep kicking ass. And uh, thanks so much for your time, Ike. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Marks and Reese, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday, 94 WIP. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Take care. Now let's talk about the Eagles running back situation from a statistical perspective. Yeah, it's Stats Corner time with Dave Spadaro, me, and my man, Jacob. for another Stats Corner here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm joined now by Jacob of the Eagles Kids Club. Jacob, let's talk about a player that 
you know, all you kids, everybody, all Eagles fans, so excited about. He was a second-round draft pick in 2019, and he had a season full of highlights. We're talking about Miles Sanders. On first down, Sanders gets it up the middle. Big hole, Miles Sanders inside the five. It's first and goal. Sanders in the backfield. Wentz. Sanders. Touchdown. Jacob, give me some of the numbers that talk about Sanders in a star-studded rookie season. Okay, so Miles Sanders was named to the PFWA All-Rookie Team after leading his class with franchise rookie records in all-purpose yards with 1,641 and scrimmage yards with 1,327. Sanders became the seventh rookie in NFL history to record 800-plus rushing yards and 500-plus receiving yards. Sanders ranked third among NFL running backs in scrimmage yards per touch with 5.8 yards. That is so impressive. He also uh, was tied for the fourth most plays of 20-plus yards among NFL running backs, 13 of those plays. And let's see, Jacob, you're a member of the Eagles Kids Club, so you probably don't remember players like Ricky Waters, Duke <laughs> Staley, those guys way before your time, Brian Westbrook before your time. But do you remember LaShawn McCoy at all? Yes. Okay, so he also surpassed LaShawn McCoy for the most rushing yards in Eagles rookie history. And we wonder just how good can Miles Sanders be? Jacob, do you think Miles Sanders in his second season can be a go-to running back who carries the football 20 or more times a game? Definitely. He has lots of the attributes that you would want in a running back. He has the speed. He has the power. He has the versatility. And is very fast. Yes, he is. So we'll find out just how much better Miles Sanders gets from year one to year two. That's Jacob from the Eagles Kids Club. This is Stats Corner. If you want to join the Eagles Kids Club, go to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Kids Club. Jacob, thanks very much. Eagles fans, a shout out to you for the great work you always do, as well as all Philadelphia fans. Forbes magazine naming Philadelphia sports fans number two in the country in 2020. Behind Boston, I know in New England, we get it. We don't like them either. 30 championships up there, 10 championships here. But nevertheless, some recognition for Eagles fans and Philadelphia fans. So this is an appropriate time for an E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chant from our archives. And finally, for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group on this Thursday, some time to talk about wine. The Eagles have partnered with Wink to produce the Broad and Patterson Wine Collection. So I thought, why not make it a great time to talk about it and how Eagles fans can get in on the fun. My guests, Robert Doherty, the winemaker, and Alex Stumfig from Wink, talking about Broad and Patterson, the wine collection. We've got some wine to talk about here. I love it. I love the fact that the Eagles are partnering 
uh, here with Wink, and we're launching, we've launched a Broad and Patterson Wink wine collection. Alex Stumpfig, uh, I know that you are the Vice President, Global Business Development at Wink. Uh, what is so special to you about partnering with the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, Dave, uh, first of all, thanks for having us on. Um, I, I'm actually from Philadelphia originally. I grew up downtown. I've been an Eagles fan for life, so it's it's pretty serendipitous for me to, you know, uh, grow up, go into the wine business, and then eventually make a wine for the Eagles. Um, it's awesome. It's it's been a really incredible experience. Uh, the Eagles are an amazing organization, and and we are. All of us at Wank are, are absolutely thrilled to to be associated with the Eagles. Um, and really, when it comes down to these wines, you know, there's a there's a distinction between sports affiliated wine from before and 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 now. And, and what we're really trying to do is is make a more modern, contemporary iteration of sports affiliated alcoholic beverage and. Um, and these are legitimate wines. We're serious about how we make these wines. Obviously, Robert's going to go into the winemaking. Uh, but we want Eagles fans to know and Philadelphians to know that uh, these wines are perennial. They're available year-round. Um, and uh, they are extremely food-friendly and uh, great great uh, on their own. They don't have to be drunk during a, you know, a tailgate, uh, and during dinner, you name it, picnic. These are awesome wines. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. And, uh, by the way, the first week the wines were on sale here in the Philadelphia region. They're available in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Excellent sales. Great start. Really excited uh, reaction from Eagles fans. A Cabernet Sauvignon, a Chardonnay, and a Rosé are available for Eagles fans. And, you know, Robert, you are the winemaker here. Um uh, a, what goes into the process, and what, Robert, did you want to create with, with these three wines? Well, <clears throat> really, I think uh, Alex Alex touched on it there. Like, these are serious wines, you know, so so often, like, alcohol uh, affiliated with, with sports teams can be a novelty. These are not novelty items. These are serious wines um, that I was very serious about creating. The, the Chardonnay and Rosé, for instance, those are wines that are fermented dry wines that you often find a little bit sweeter in the supermarket or anything like that. Like these are dry wines, meaning they have absolutely no sugar in them. They're meant to be enjoyed with food. You can enjoy them uh, on their own, but uh, you know, we really took the time to make these wines correctly uh, without, uh, with very minimal intervention. You know, it's really just bringing the grapes in, uh, making sure that we ferment them to completion and then aging them properly for, for what we want. The Chardonnay, we put on some neutral oak and a little bit of new as well. So you get some nice oak elements in there. Uh, it's not overly uh, hedonistic as many Chardonnays can be. You can just continue to drink it. The rosé is a dry rosé. A lot of times you'll, you'll find those will be really sweet. This is a nice, crisp, high-acid rosé that you can just enjoy. And the Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, is deep deep, uh, bold flavors, very, very attractive food wine, go really well with, uh, you know, your classic Philly cheesesteak. Uh, so really these are wines that you can, you know, open up and enjoy with your team, or you can lay them down for a few years and enjoy them later. Uh, it's about celebration of the Eagles, celebration of Philadelphia, and we wanted to make sure that the wines were just as serious as, as the fans we were making them for. Robert, I have a confession to make, and this 
and I'm being dead honest here, this is a great moment in my life. I have <laughs> never, I have never, well, this is why I'm, and I'm, I'm being honest, my dad always drank wine and he always tried to get me into wine. And I just, I just never cultivated a palate for it. And so this opportunity with these three wines, I'm going to learn to drink wine and to appreciate wine. So what advice do you have for me with these three wines? Is there a particular order that I should try them in, particular foods that I should try them with, or a particular occasion that I should celebrate drinking these wines? Well, you know, my, my first advice for people getting into wine is to make sure that if you can, I know it's difficult in these times right now to, to share them with people. Wine, wine for me is, is a community event. Uh, the best thing you can do is share a bottle of wine with somebody, tell them why you love it, tell it, they can tell you why they love it or, or don't love it. You know, hopefully you, you, you love it though. Um, and, and share that experience. So through shared experience, I think is the best way to learn about these wines. If I were to drink them in order, I would do Chardonnay, Rosé, and then move into the Cabernet Sauvignon. It's kind of nice to go lighter into dark. Um, and my other piece of advice would be, um, you know, just make sure that the 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 wines are are the not the focal point of your interactions, right? Wine are an, an accent to a great life, so make sure they live on your table and they live with good conversation and with good people. Okay, so Alex, you're an Eagles fan. Uh, we're going to look ahead to 2020 here, and you're going to tell me on game day, Eagles beginning against Washington September 13th, how would you lay out your wine choices for that day? What are your suggestions for Eagles fans? Uh, well, you know, it's probably going to still uh, be a, a bit warm at that time of year. So <clears throat> I think uh, <clears throat> if you're if – you're, uh, if you're tailgating, whatever that means these days, perhaps uh, during the day, you, you start with a little rosé to open up your palate. And then from there, as you start to eat different foods throughout your tailgating experience, definitely, uh, um, you know, want to jump into the Chardonnay. Um, great by itself. Great with a lot of uh, uh, different foods. Very versatile. And then, you know, after the Eagles, crush Washington. So we've got here, guys, we've got three wines. A 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon, 2019 Chardonnay, 2019 Rosé, available for $17.99 throughout Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, also online, PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash wine, and a portion of the proceeds benefit the Eagles Autism Foundation. Guys, I think launching the Wink Wine Broad and Patterson Collection, it's just a great idea to bond even further the Philadelphia Eagles and their fans. I thank you very much for collaborating with the Eagles. Uh, Robert, great job on the wines. I look forward to launching my career as a wine connoisseur. <laughs> with this. I'm excited. Reach out to me. Let me know how you do, all right? I sure will, guys. Thank you so much for joining me, and, uh, and good luck with everything. And, and just thanks for making another part of the Eagles season that much more fun. Thanks, Dave. Go Eagles. Thanks, Dave. Right. You guys, thanks, guys. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks for joining, everyone. If you have a moment for a rating or suggestions, we appreciate it very much. Those five-star ratings help get Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz to take notice of this Eagles podcast. And it also helps Eagles fans around the world find out about the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks to Ray Doyle and Peter Kelly for their work. Thanks to you for joining Every time we have an episode, we love it so very much. And we are looking forward 
to football at the NovaCare Complex next week. So I'll be back on Monday with more the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Insider Dave Spadaro saying thanks for joining everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.